welcome to another episode of our podcast, The Shift. I'm Shay Candish, the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association's Assistant General Secretary and the host of this show. The 1st of December marked World AIDS Day, a time for us to reflect upon the other pandemic that affects so many people in Australia and to continue to raise awareness of the issues surrounding HIV AIDS. Today, we're fortunate to be joined by Timmy Lockwood, who's a clinical nurse consultant at the Centre for Population Health's STI Programs Unit, to talk about the importance of this day. Welcome to the show, Timmy. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming along. It's so lovely to chat with you. So look, to start off, can you just give us a bit of background? Tell us kind of what you do day to day and how you got there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm a clinical nurse consultant for the STI programs unit within uh, New South Wales Ministry of Health. Uh, so uh, the work we do is uh, under Dr. Kerry Chant. And um, my role in the STI programs unit is um, to, to deal with clinical matters for the unit. And we work on um, a lot of different projects across the state, um, including, you know, engaging GPs in sexual health care, managing the sexual health clinics that we have in New South Wales. We're very fortunate to have a lot of those uh, and various health promotion programs. So things like Play Safe, um, which tries to engage young people in safer sex, um, and I guess it's quite diverse as well. Lots of um, clinical programs, um, such as training GPs in prep, uh, supporting nurses in doing more advanced practice in sexual health, like supply and dispense of medications independently of um, doctors under protocols. Uh, so I guess my day is a lot of meetings, um, lots of emails and, and project management work in general, but I do keep my finger in the clinical pie still doing um, a few hours of clinic every week which I really really enjoy and I think it improves all my other work to stay connected to you know the whole point of why I'm employed which is you know putting patients first oh absolutely gosh there's so, I'm like feverishly jotting down all these notes about other questions I have for you and I'm really eager to like really dig into your specialty but I feel like I have to ask the question on behalf of all of the other nurses and midwives in the state what's it like working under Kerry Chant? Oh, Kerry's just a dynamic force. Um, no airs and graces, uh, smart, polite, incredibly sharp, um, an inspirational leader. Yeah, she's fantastic. She's down to earth. Um, better than you can imagine would be my, my description. I bet. I bet. We've been very fortunate to have her heading up so much of the work around the pandemic, haven't we? Yeah, I mean... The hours she's been working, uh, the team she's got around her, and I guess, you know, leadership comes from the top and she builds those people around her. Mm. Uh, it's just how she can sustain that pace and and um, keep such an even keel under unprecedented stress, I guess, you know, mm. in that position and, and what we've gone through on a global and, and statewide um, level. is It's just it's so impressive. It's mm. such an impressive person. Yeah, I agree. So look, let's talk about your specialty. So what brought you to come and work, you know, so intensely in the sexual health space and all of the different specialty areas that you've started to cover off there? It's a happy accident, really. Um, I had been doing several years of, of doing agency nursing where I do a lot of shifts in winter, save up a lot of money and then just take off overseas in, in the summer 
time, you know, and really enjoy seeing the world and adventuring around. And then I sort of decided that I wanted to leave that lifestyle behind and wanted something that was a bit nine to five, didn't want to go back to shift work. I'd done, you know, night shifts and things for lots of years and just wasn't my favourite thing. And a, a job came up at Sydney Sexual Health Centre and Sydney Eye Hospital in Macquarie Street. And I thought, throw my hat in the ring. And I was fortunate enough to land that job. Um, so that, that got me into the space in about 2009. And um, I was like a duck to water, really. I've, I've always been someone who's very open-minded and enjoy interesting people. And sexual health is a, is a bit of a left field um, specialty. So there's lots of great personalities and just interesting folk that you get to work with in it. Uh, the other great thing about sexual health is the autonomy for nurses. Yeah. Uh, we have our own patient lists. We see our patients individually within our scope of practice. Um, and the doctors and social workers and, and other health staff that support us, it's incredible as a, as a team to work on that level where you sort of, you know, you see someone, you recognize something's outside your scope, you bring another professional in to help you. Very enjoyable, um, very special. People, patients let you into parts of their lives that they may have never spoken to anyone else about. So you feel honored daily to, to be privileged to do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's how I got into it. Um, and yeah, it's just really fell in love with it. I did a master's degree in 2012 at um, Sydney Uni. Mm -hmm. And then I just had a series of fortunate events, really. Um, early in my career, um, uh, rapid testing technology came into Australia. It was quite behind the times. And I got heavily involved in some of that research, which went well. And I met a lot of people that sort of you know, established myself in the space. And then I got to um, work with a great team to develop uh, the ATES service, which is mm -hmm. a service in, um, in Sydney that um, is run by peers and nurses. I uh, know doctors at the service and we screen um, uh, men that have sex with men for sexually transmitted infections. And it's just an incredibly patient focused model that's all around, you know, convenience and speed for the patients and, um, you know, reducing barriers to getting in and getting those tests because it is a, a complex space to get, mm. to get people into. And, and how big are those programs? Are they like pretty limited in terms of numbers? Is it something that we need to be, you know, thinking about how we expand or is it widely yes. available or? Uh, it's just available in, in a city. There's four sites, um, Newtown, King's Cross, Oxford Street and Surrey Hills. Mm -hmm. uh, but I certainly think that um, there's a focus in the new strategies on expanding peer care. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, it's, not, it's not the cheapest form of care, but I think it is the best value because you don't just test, you engage people, right? They, they love the service. They love the convenience. And then you, you slip in all these other things with health promotion and education and all these value adds that save the health system money as, at the same time as increasing engagement and, and I guess, uh, acceptance of care or the people actually enjoying coming to the service and feeling like that was a good experience. And I was so anxious about coming, you know, yeah, right. I didn't want to be there. And then people walk out the door going, oh, wow, that was easy. I'm going to tell all my friends to come. And yeah, great. Um, yeah, there's, there's been a great evaluation from, mm -hmm. I think it was uh, the Kirby Institute, New South Wales Uni, yep. did a, a, you know, a test while only testing I think you know less than one percent of the HIV tests in New South Wales accounted for eight percent of the diagnoses so yeah right. definitely um, hitting and targeting groups that we need to mm -hmm. as well in terms of driving down um, HIV 
in New South Wales. And it's just like a different way of thinking about primary care really, isn't it? You know, it's another way of engaging with people around a preventative strategy that's not necessarily run out of your sort of typical GP or, you know, community care model, for example. Yeah, it is. Look, it's really outside the box. And I guess some of the problems with that model is that our funding models aren't really set up to support this, right? Yeah. um, That being said, um, I'm lucky that I work in the ministry and we can try and influence some of those funding models or or find innovative ways to fund uh, care and publish papers and try and push change in how we fund these models when we can show just how effective and, and great they are. Absolutely. And it's so critical, I think, to have a seat at the table where those decisions are being made. So, you know, having someone like yourself that's able to advocate at those higher level um, levels in the ministry has got to be a good thing for the service, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Look, at, and I know that the ministry really, you know, they, the ones that got behind this service model in the first place and have been there from day one. Yeah. And, um, you know, expansion is definitely in the strategic program there. So, yeah, great. Um, hopefully see a few more services similar popping up and not even limited just to, you know, men and uh, gay men. Mm. Uh, It'd be great to see these models expanding into other areas. And I I was involved in setting up a peer-led service in Crown Street as well. Yeah. um, In the NSP there Mm -hmm. called Open Open Clinic on Crown, where we have um, uh, peer uh, people who inject drugs, Mm -hmm. engaging um, people visiting the NSP. And I mean, that's that's a challenging space where people are coming to get fits, right? They're generally Mm. not coming to get healthcare, but Mm. again, nurse-led model, um, low barrier for entry, and um, seeing great results engagement there as well, really, really kicking some goals, particularly with point of care hep C testing in that space. Yeah, right. How long were you working in that space for? I did it for about a year. Yeah. And I would have loved to stay longer, but the job at the STI programs unit popped up and it's a pretty rare job in, in this area. So I can imagine. It, was, it was hard not to apply. <laughs> that <laughs> I was can so, imagine. such a tragedy for me to leave Kirkton Road Centre, which is a, a primary healthcare centre. Mm. King's Cross was set up in the, you know, the AIDS crisis um, mm. early mm. on in the early days. Mm. But um, yeah, honour to work there and work with the people at um, NUA, the New South Wales Users and AIDS Association, the peers there. Um, they just do incredible work, such great mm. people. Mm. So let's talk a bit about, you know, we're, we're sim, um, recognising World AIDS Day and uh, what's it like for the experience of a patient these days having to go through our system if they are someone who's been diagnosed with AIDS? Is, you know, healthcare something that um, is easily accessible? Are they still facing the discrimination that we heard about early on in, in the piece when people sort of were fearful? The reason I ask is, um, you know, we've kind of can't, we're starting to emerge out of this new pandemic. And I think we see what happens when people don't know and don't have the facts. And I'm curious to know whether the community's knowledge has shifted and we have a better understanding of what's going on for people who are experiencing AIDS anymore. Yeah, well, um, the community is obviously made up of lots of sub-communities and then those sub-communities have different levels of knowledge. Um, I would like to sort of say that it's very rare that we see someone with an age-defining illness these days. Uh, the World Health Organization set 90-90-90 goals, which means diagnosing 90% of people that have HIV, uh, getting 90% of people in care and having 90% of people with an undetectable viral load. And uh, New South Wales is one of the very few jurisdictions which is basically achieving that, which is mm. incredible. Um, so- and obviously that's to all the programs that you're talking about, right, that are really making such a difference in that space. 
That's right. With these outside the box programs that have been funded and run and passionately cared for from, you know, this small sector, mm. I think it's, it's really helping um, uh, get us there. Mm. Uh, in terms of stigma, in the in the sort of gay community, I think HIV, most people are pretty comfortable with it. And I think the big game changer there was PrEP or pre-exposure prophylaxis. So instead of just people with HIV taking HIV treatments, suddenly we had people without HIV taking HIV treatments to prevent HIV. And I feel like it created this, oh, we're all in this together. We're all taking medicine mm. to prevent or control a disease. Yeah. And it's that and the U equal U discovery or research that came out that if you have HIV and you take treatment and your viral load is undetectable, you won't sexually transmit HIV. And so it's just this great level. And once people in a community see and know that, a lot of the stigma melts away. Yeah. Great. Uh, you know, still some hardcore people hanging on with that, but it's all about education. And, and that's why some an event like World AIDS Day is a, a huge opportunity to just you know, grab people in the general community who don't know this kind of information and, and share it with them and, and hopefully, you know, slowly chip away at that stigma and attitudes. Um, you know, in some of the subpopulations have said it, there's a lot more stigma. People that have, you know, from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds or recently arrived from overseas often just don't have access to the same education information we have here. And, and in the heterosexual community as well, HIV just hasn't been the same issue here because public health has been so successful Yeah, um, that a lot of people are just really ignorant about yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, people often ask me what I do for work and then a variety of responses you know um it's, mm. it's sometimes difficult not to judge but I, I just have to remember that um you know it's the millionth time i've talked about hiv and it might be the first time this person's talked about it in five or ten years yeah, um, right. so it's an understandable response and um yeah you just gently gently bring people around with some important information Mm. Well, look, I think it's so crucial in terms of what you've been, you know, the work that you do and what you've been talking about that work has offered. And it feels like, you know, clearly I'm no expert. All I really know is what you've spoken about. But um, it sounds like the programs that you're involved in are really punching above their weight in terms of what they're offering to the community, which is just so tremendous. So I think that's something to be really super proud of. Um, and as, you know, part of New South Wales Health, I think that's something that is just fantastic. Um, so yeah, it's great to kind of hear a bit more about it. So for nurses and midwives who are kind of out there doing their day-to-day -day job, how can they better support patients that come in who might have a HIV diagnosis? Yeah, look, I think stigma is probably the number one thing. Most of our patients will be well-educated about their infection and how to manage it. It's it's, and I guess if you're not, uh, you're not used to hearing much about HIV dealing with it, it is been mindful that you don't just go with that instinctive, maybe a fear that people might feel and, and really go with education. I mean, we all use universal precautions mm -hmm. and that's all you need to do with anyone that has HIV. It's no different to anyone else, no different to any other type of infection. We don't need double gloves. We don't need to make big notes in the notes that someone has HIV, particularly if it's not relevant to the care they're getting yeah. um, while they're in care. Uh, you know, we don't need to mention it handover every time if it's not relevant to their care. Yeah. So, and it's just, you know, pulling ourselves up to make sure we don't do it if it's not something we deal with regularly, because it, I guess it is easy to sort of have that fear-based response. And it's also our responsibility if we see someone else doing it to gently and kindly remind people 
that, um, you know, that's just not a, a necessary part of the care and it, it increases stigma and discrimination. So, you know, if we don't need to discuss it or know about it, let's not. Yeah, excellent. Look, I think that's really great advice. And um, certainly my experience, I remember, you know, being on triage and having patients that will come in sometimes with HIV, but often with other kind of, you know, unique illnesses, complex diagnoses, things that as a nurse, you couldn't possibly be across to the level of detail that the patient was. And so I often would ask them if I had questions, I'd say, you know, what's this kind of rare illness that you've got? Or what medication is this? Can you tell me a bit about it? And then you can go off and research it with a bit more kind of baseline knowledge at least um so yeah i think that's really helpful information for um members of ours who might be interacting with people and you know can support them in better ways absolutely now i want to um dig in a bit to uh the prep um uh, treatment that you were talking about. I'm not sure if it's something that's sort of well known about across uh, all of the specialties that our members cover. So can you talk a bit about that and how, you know, that's really changed the, uh, the environment for people who are in the gay community particularly? Yeah, so look, it's, it's a therapy that anyone that's at risk of HIV um, can take if they're HIV negative. Uh, so PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis, and it's taking a two-drug regimen in a single pill. Um, and there's a couple of different ways you can take it. You can take it daily, or you can take it on demand around your risk, if you can predict when your risk is. And when you take it as prescribed, it reduces the chance of you becoming HIV positive by greater than 99%. Um, and just to put that into perspective, you know, condom uh, are estimated to be sort of 70 to maybe 90% effective. Yeah, right. Um, so this is way better than using condoms to prevent mm -hmm. HIV infection. It is, if you use it and use it correctly, the chance you're getting HIV, there's about two or three documented cases of it happening with this incredibly rare HIV that's resistant to the drugs that we use. Mm. Uh, it's, it's readily available. So any GP can prescribe it. They don't need to do any specialist uh, like S100 training what's um, s100 training uh, s100 training is a specialist training for general practitioners that allows them to prescribe hiv medicine right. to people with hiv as a general practitioner mm -hmm. um, so if you haven't done that training you're not able to supply uh, hiv treatments because mm -hmm. there is some things you need to know particularly around resistance yeah, um, right. resistant testing just to make sure that the treatments will be effective mm. Yeah, so PrEP was, it came as a trial in oh, 2016, uh, mm -hmm. listed on the PBS in 2018. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, there's uh, probably 20,000 people have had it dispensed in New South Wales, and we've seen a, a huge reduction in new HIV infections, mm. uh, you know, up, up more than 30% in, in, in that time. Mm. Uh, it's just continuing to drop and drop and drop. Um, so it's super exciting as well. You Absolutely. Know, um, and as well as reducing, you know, fear, stigma, um, it's, it's, we're actually, you know, we are eliminating or ending HIV uh, new transmission. So it's mm. extremely exciting to be, you know, involved in that. And, and see Absolutely. And really, I think like you were saying, patient-centred and focusing on good quality of life for people um, is kind of key to it, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's not just the... The reduced transmission has a flow on effects, you know, that people feel um, 
more happy, less anxiety. These kind of really important things, you know, working with the gay community, fear and anxiety, like it used to stop people from even testing, mm. um, which, you know, it's sort of like this flow and effect. You don't test, you don't know you've got it, you can pass it on to more people. Mm. So it, it really is getting to the crux of a lot of the, the public health challenges in HIV prep. So if you do have a patient that you do establish through your history that may be at risk of HIV um, and they may not know about PrEP, it's a good thing to mention and just refer them to their local sexual health clinic Yeah, uh, who'd be able to, you know, support them to get on that in no time. Yeah, fantastic. That's a really good tip. So how can our listeners get involved with commemorating World AIDS Day? Well, every, every area in New South Wales will have different events run by the HIV and related program unit um, in, the, in their local health district. Uh, so I think the easiest thing to do is just jump online and go to worldagesday.org.au and it'll, there'll be a list of uh, World AIDS Day or WADS events that you can get involved with. It could just be doing a quiz. You can go down and buy a red ribbon. Please wear a red ribbon on Wednesday, show your support. Um, yeah, so to, to get involved, I think that's the easiest thing to do rather than try and know all the events are going, are going on across the state. If you just jump online, you'll easily be able to find something that's happening uh, near you and your health service and work. Awesome. Thank you. Well, that's really good information. And hopefully that gives people, I guess, a little bit more information than they had before. Um, But also it's been really lovely to hear about your experience of working through kind of sexual health and all of those really niche kind of clinics and the um, really incredible work that you've been doing. So thank you so much. I really appreciate the time taken to talk to me today. Oh, it's been fun. Uh, I really appreciate you having me. And one last message to slip in there maybe is... Um, For those people that work in frontline services like emergency or mental health, um, drug and alcohol, keep HIV in in mind as a differential diagnosis and test, test, test. Um, The other thing that I'd really like to throw into this podcast is in New South Wales, we have something called the HIV support program. So often clinicians, nurses, doctors have this fear if someone tests positive, how is our service going to manage that? You Mm -hmm. don't need to worry. There is a specialist service in New South Wales where all HIV diagnoses are picked up at the lab and -hmm. referred to the HIV support program where a specialist HIV doctor will contact the diagnosing clinician and provide whatever support they need, which could be from, I'm fine, I can deal with this, leave me alone, Mm -hmm. to they'll take the whole job off your hands they'll give the diagnosis they'll link the person with care they'll provide them with psychological support Um, so never let that be something that stops you doing a test if you've got Mm. any inkling or worry um, you know you've got that person like I'm not sure what's going on here should I do an HIV test just do it okay that's a really good tip and so that service runs across the whole state does it it does it does so um, all HIV positive results mm-hmm. are reported through the public health system, mm-hmm. um, de-identified, um, but obviously we can get who did the test and we can contact them yeah. and check that they have support. So there's a, there's a large program in place yeah. um, where it's it'll be a HIV doctor that works in your local health district. So they'll have local knowledge, will contact you and say, hey, what do you need? Oh, that's a really good tip. Thank you for that. I think, um, you know, I don't ever recall being myself in that situation, having to kind of think about do I test or don't I test, but definitely 
I don't recall feeling like had I have been in a situation, I would have had all of the skills to be able to have that conversation. So that's really useful um, to know that there's someone there that can kind of help to fill the gaps or, you know, support clinicians out there that might need to have conversations about new diagnoses and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's important that it's not a, a reason not to test is this mm. fear of dealing with a possible outcome from that. So you don't mm. need to worry here in New South Wales. Excellent. And so by comparison to other states, would you say that we're kind of on track doing really well in this space? It feels like we are. Yeah, New South Wales is certainly leading the way, not just in Australia, but in the world. Yeah, wow. Um, You know, one of the biggest prep um, trials, again, you know, supported by New South Wales Health funded. um, And then that, you know, leading on from that huge rollout when it came on the PBS, we got everyone across, uh, you know, these innovative peer-led programs about testing and also you know we've got a decentralized model of sexual health clinics in New South Wales there's 53 of them Mm. Um, so you know unlike somewhere like Victoria where there's basically just one clinic in in a Melbourne we've got clinics everywhere fair enough some of the smaller clinics are only open sporadically you know maybe once a week or something but um, we've got a much better reach here and that I think that really helps us um, in a public health sense of managing HIV. Mm, excellent. Well, that's really um, interesting kind of to know. I guess you get a broad sense of we think we're doing well. And I think Sydney is, you know, obviously known for being um, a really open minded city. And so you would assume that some of those types of treatments would kind of translate, I suppose. But it's nice to hear from, you know, experts like yourself that that is the case. That's really um, exciting, I think, to hear that we're doing such good work. So excellent. For nurses that are interested in what we're talking about, um, how would you suggest that they get involved? Uh, if you want to get into the sexual health specialty, um, I was very fortunate when I first started, there was a really low interest, but it has increased dramatically, you know, in the sort of 10-ish years that I've been working in it. I think uh, the main thing to do would be make contact with your local sexual health clinic, if that's the step you're looking to get into it and chat to them, and then look for a course to do. It doesn't have to be, you know, master's degree or whatever, but um, uh, the ASHAM, the Australian Society for HIV Medicine, they run lots of um, sexual health and STI um, courses that Mm -hmm. you can do in a weekend or you can do online. Um, So I just enroll in in a couple of them. And then I think that really demonstrates your interest when you Mm. do apply for a job Um, and just, you know, do a bit of reading around the sector, Um, make sure it's for you. You need to be open-minded. You need Mm. to love your patients and be able to work um, autonomously. But yeah, that that would be my tip. Do do some sort of course and just, um, yeah, drop into your local sexual health clinic, make contact with the nurse unit manager, say that you're really passionate about the the sector and you want to get into it. And um, yeah, you'll get there. Awesome. That's really good advice. Um, And for anyone that's interested, we'll put the link to the um, Ashen website into the show notes so you can have a little look there. All right. Well, look, thanks so much for your time. I'll let you go. Um, And I'm just really appreciative of, you know, taking a bit of time to sit down and chat about it all um, because we're really trying to cover off all different areas, all different specialties, all different niche interests. Um, And hopefully we find something that suits all of our members at some point, you know, they might be able to jump on and find an episode that suits them. So I'm really grateful for your contribution because I'm sure it's going to connect with a whole bunch of people. Uh, yeah it's not a problem and it's one of the great things about nursing um 
it's just so diverse. There's, if you can't find something you <laughs> don't love in nursing, you're not trying. Oh, I agree. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Timmy. I really appreciate your time today. It's been so lovely to learn myself, to learn more and to hear about um, all of the exciting things that have been going on. Is there anything else you want to try and slot in that we haven't covered or anything you think that's important that we should cover? Uh, no, just get out there on um, World, World AIDS Day. And um, yeah, uh, if you, you don't know too much about HIV, make a little point to just learn something. Yeah, yeah, that's a good tip. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. It's so lovely being able to chat to members and hear about what's going on across all of the different specialties. I think you get a broad sense of like bits and pieces of information. So it's lovely to sit down and really talk about the detail of what's happening. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back after a quick message from our Member Advantage program. Did you know that as a member of the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association, you can save thousands of dollars a year through our Member Advantage program? Your union membership gives you access to discounts for everything from groceries, white goods from the good guys, holidays and even a new car. You can access it through your Member Central portal. And if you're not yet a member, join today by going to nswnma.asn.au to enjoy the benefits straight away. That's it for this episode of The Shift with Shay. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. You can follow the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn so you can stay up to date with all our services and campaigns. We'll see you in a fortnight with more stories from the world of nursing and midwifery. 